frequencies I can't talk right now so let's start this over okay uh this is elevated frequencies where you maintain your visual to be deeply unlocked in order to tap into your confidence to get things adjusted okay and I'm your host, Sherry, also known as Shy Shy. I'm your sister, I'm your friend, I'm your colleague, your confidant, whatever, whatever role I may play in your life right now. Um, and just welcome to another episode. We are on season 30, 30 seasons of this shit. Every week, a new episode. Some weekend, some weeks I probably fell off, but I still will come up with that episode. But uh, I just think... My people who's been here since day one, the ones who have joined just recently, I don't care when you've come into this, excuse me, into this environment of elevated frequencies, but welcome, welcome, welcome. Hopefully you are receiving what you need, and if not, what you need, come to me, come to the source. Um, but yeah, I trust all is well, well is all. We are going to be finishing off the studies from 12 steps to changing yourself all right and the world an abolitionist handbook by patrice colors i just want to say that this book has has been phenomenal um it's been that whole thing of what elevated frequency stands on which we not only stand on the trending topics, but the avoided topics. And there's a lot of things that we are now discussing that many of us can agree has been avoided for most of our lives. Um, the last two episodes were two hours and two hours and a half, two hours and 30 minutes. In other words, I tried my best to alleviate from that time and allow it to be like not taking so much time um but wherever spirit may lead us spirit is gonna lead us and that's just what it is um but we're back at it again okay with another episode and we're gonna finish it off with the final four steps out of the 12. all right um last week we talked about commitment you know, and before I ask, you know, what you did or what you did different, in other words, 
I'm going to just go into the rising messages real quick. So that's just out the way. And the, the bandit is ripped off for that. Because as y'all know, I'll be forgetting sometimes. But um, Saturday, Sunday, and today's message. Saturday's message read as follows. We are no longer living just to survive. We live to be abundant. Fulfill our purpose and do us unapologetically. There's nothing wrong with aligning yourself to love yourself enough for all and thinking without a trauma-driven mindset. You deserve that much. Don't convince yourself otherwise. Think it's karma? <laughs> Take accountability. Forgive yourself and seek forgiveness. If there needs to be a courageous conversation, so be it. Think of it as building blocks, setting a foundation for your present to be ample enough to withhold the processing of releasing your past and being prepared for your future. It always gets better, always. Sunday's rising message, Supreme. If no time was a better time than now to fortify your mind and overcome with the happiness you've never imagined as you rise from a foal that you thought ended all things for you. You deserve all the, thing, the good things that may come, but there will be some hard times, and that's okay. As long as you continue to get back up, can't nothing hold you down. I believe that, but now... It's your turn. In confidence, stay true, stay you. Then, today's rising message. Oftentimes, we don't really know where this journey will take us. But we have to enjoy the ride. We have to be grateful beyond the blessings. Because a lot of times, we're in waiting mode. We're in the in-between mode of fasting, praying, meditation, and manifesting. Waiting for our blessings or lessons. We have to be accountable and stop playing the victim. Allow yourself to be better without the need of explanation or excuses. You will be you beyond the limits of the world. Stay true. Stay you. Namaste. And we're going to keep that positivity going with, you know, today's episode. You know what I mean? Um, so it goes to with the question. What did you do different this week that you didn't do last week? It could be Instead of jumping on your phone when you wake up, you actually did give gratitude or brush your teeth, drink water, whatever it is. Well, you did something different than last week. Um, it could be you decided to use two days out of the week to do weekly fasts. So you only drunk raw. You did a liquid diet, liquid fast, in other words, for two days out of the week. You worked on a song that's been in, in your notepad for months. You It's a number of things, but what is it that you have done different 
that you didn't do last week. So that being said, let's move on. Now we've covered steps one to eight. Courageous conversations, respond versus react. Num number three, nothing is fixed. Number four, say yes to imagination. Number five, forgive actively, not passively. Number six, allow yourself to feel. Number seven, commit to not harming or abusing others. And number eight, practice accountability. So yeah, again, last week we finished it off with, are you willing to commit? Are you willing to make that commitment? What are you willing to sacrifice? Because I think even with that, people have misscrewed or miss or have changed the definition of what committing actually is just so that it could fit their comfort and what they're willing not to do. Okay. But now we're going to talk about nine to 12. Number nine, embrace non-reformist reform. Number 10, Build community. Number 11, value interpersonal relationships. And number 12, fight the U.S. state rather than making it stronger. Now, let's break it down. Make it make sense, in other words, because I know reading that embrace non-reformist reform took me all the way off. Okay, so that's where we're going to start. Number nine, embrace non-reformist reform. Okay, I didn't know, like for me, I didn't know I was what people would consider an abolitionist. I don't feel like I'm aggressive enough. I don't feel like I've started any movements, but I've always had this whole movement thing about me, softy, shy movement, whatever the case may be. It was something about me that was a movement behind me. So I never knew what that really meant until I started my own journey. I started to look within. I started to fulfill my own purpose and identifying things about myself, how I was helpful, how I made my difference. And yeah, I didn't know that this is the practice I've been getting myself to is the practice of, of an abolitionist. And I didn't know that before getting this book. And with some parts of me, I ain't gonna lie, I struggled to purchase this book when I was in the bookstore because I bought this. It was for $30, but it was on sale for $10. And they, the spirit knew that was within my budget. Y'all better, if y'all want me to do all this stuff, it got to be within my budget. Okay. But any other time, I'm willing to make a sacrifice if it really comes down to it. Especially if something keeps coming my way, which is why I do got to reach out to Vita. I got you in my mind, girl. I got to reach out to you. I got some things uh, I need from you. Um, I need to channel with you, connect with you. And not really you, but you you know what I mean you you know what I mean okay um but yeah uh that's a good one that's a good reminder but uh simply put non-reformist reform is the idea that we're not fighting to improve an existing already failing system okay we're not we're not fighting to to help this be better no we are fighting all right, we are fighting for what we actually need within a brand new system. You know, we are fighting for what we actually need. And I'm going to source the book for this example. 
If you notice your lawn is dying out, reform would be sprinkling chemicals on it to feed the grass and kill the weeds. Non-reformist reform is appending the law and starting lawn, I'm sorry, and starting over with fresh shot and soil. Or let's say a school has disruptive students. Reform is using armed police officers as school safety officers. Non-reformist reform is creating a school system where the staff and administration are leading the change and have what they need without armed police officers inside. It's a vision for what is possible, okay? It's putting other perspectives in place. Um, my mom says it all the time. Perception, perspective, behavior. So change your perspective, perception, you'll change your perspective and you'll change your behavior. It all works together, all right? But with non-reformist reform, there's a deep desire to build a wor world where Black people and all people get their needs met. Reforms keep the higher majority of society the same with little effort to change. They are cradles and support of increasing the status quo. Having no direct approach to the principle, the root causes. In this step, we learn and begin to understand how capitalism has prioritized profit over people. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm reading my notes because this is a lot to study and I do get mentally overwhelmed most times and I blink out on what I've even studied, which is why I'm happy I take notes now because before I wasn't even doing that. But in this step, we learn and begin to understand how capitalism has prioritized profit over people, which is one thing that we kept making make sense. That's what keeps clicking for us. But as we know already, the current system just ain't working. It's not doing what it needs to do, okay? Sorry, there's another example I'm trying to get to. And I think that's what this is, right? So the current system ain't working. So instead of a society where car manufacturing and marketing is prominent to the point where every American household needs to own by fin finance two vehicles, what if our infrastructure and transportation systems decreased the number of people who needed cars and increased the number who could instead rely on a well-tuned and inexpensive public transportation system? This would be transforming several systems at once. When you include the win of having less pollution, when we have fewer cars on the road. Another important point that we need to keep in mind is that non-reformist reform, reform does not come from the top down economically. Also, as of now, the people most in need of change are capable of changing these systems themselves, which are the poverty, middle class. We have Everything is in our hands, which is why they keep us in this program mindset. We have the control. We know better, but we choose not to do better. 
It's a whole bunch of shit. Whether it be fear, whether it be comfort, what whatever the fuck your excuse is, it's time to break out of that. Okay? Because we can't keep focusing on the irrelevance of things. All right. Gore said it best. The people are active in reordering social relationships, diagnosing social inequalities, and mobilizing for a better way of socially organizing the world. We got to keep stirring the pot. I know that we talked about stirring this pot before, but what have we been doing to keep stirring the pot? What have we been doing to keep it going? All right. We've all heard of strikes. Okay, it's a form or another version of non-reformist reform. But in reality, strikes only keep capitalist ownership in power. That's the only thing that strikes do. It keeps capitalist ownership in power. A strike is coming. They know what to do. They meet the demands. Shit, half the time they don't. They just kind of fucking deal with, like, let you sit out there for a little bit. And then they come and tell you, okay, you can't sit out here no more. Or people just get tired. And life goes on. But if it was where the employees demand control of what happens on a day-to-day basis, it'll be way different and a more sustainable model. Creating empowered workers with an ongoing initiative to constantly improve the workplace instead of waiting to hit a breaking point and then going on strike. Why wait until you're at that place where you just are irrational, where you are reacting emotionally, you're not responding to what the fuck is going on, you're not responding to what corruption has been going on or lack of. Now you're responding or reacting from an emotional space. So that's all that's being heard right now. Stop doing that to yourself, okay? A recommended book for this step is Locking Up Our Own, Crime and Punishment in Black America by James Foreman Jr. Based on how much Black people have been contributed to mass incarceration. The good politicians who were supposed to have our best interests in mind the warped way that previous generations failed the younger generation. Foreman Jr. is a public defender. He quotes Jesse Jackson, no one has the right to kill our children. I won't take it from the Klan with a rope. I won't take it from a neighbor with dope. We can't equate a drug dealer with a Klansman and we can't use punishment as a way to deal with poverty. But non-reformist reform is about seeing prisons shut down, seeing cages and handcuffs put away for good. Unless it's, you know, to be nasty. But (laughs) seeing a healing world, okay? Not a world of punishment. All right. And that that's that whole hippie mindset people go into and say, oh, you y'all just want peace. Y'all want kumbaya. That's just an unreal. That's not a real reality. It is. It can be. It can be. The only reason why we have all this separation and war and drugs and sex and all of that shit is because of colonism. That patriarch, patriotic 
fucking mindset. Like me being a Native American and an American and everything else and just hearing stories and all of that about how the land was taken over. It's like, I don't want to be a part of these people. I'd rather just keep my Native, keep that going, keep it going with that positivity. I don't want to be none. I don't want no blood on my hands. But unfortunately, it's like, do I have blood on my hands because of what the fuck? But non-reformist reform, nine times out of ten, it's going to go against your upbringing or just what you've studied and what you've believed. Here's where step number four, say yes to imagination, comes in. Okay, map out a personal strategy. Pass along what you've learned and make yourself available to discuss what you've learned. That means don't go into shut shutdown mode. Don't go into the mode of like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, but I do want to talk about this. And then going back and forth with yourself, hypocriting or backsliding to your old ways because of the influence around you, then change what's around you. Talk to those people that want to talk about how water really don't hydrate you. And all these trails, the chemtrails really are things so that minerals don't come into our bodies the way they need to and all of this other stuff. Like these are the conversations we need to have. We act so afraid to have these type of conversations because it's the fear behind it. But when you let go of that fear, because you just, why, why have fear? Um, you got to take it one day at a time. Simple as that. You got to take it one day at a time. Now, for this step, we got some guiding questions, which are three of them. Name a societal ill that doesn't seem to have a solution. What feels impossible about resolving this societal ill? To me, I would have to say it's, it's, it's the corruption of gangs now that have taken over the hood, in other words. But they really, <laughs> they're doing nothing for the community. community. Now, it's not all, but there's the high majority of gangs that are now out there the names even they have. It's just, please do the work to heal yourself. Please do the work. Please do the work. Because this shit is getting ridiculous. Number two, what is an example of how non-reformist reform works? So again, non-reformist reform is you actually treating something instead of just trying to brush it under the rug. So come up with an example of how non-reformist reform works. And number three, is there a non-reformist reform scenario that would be difficult for you to put in place? Hmm. Is there a non-reformist reform scenario that would be difficult for you to put in place? Um, I would have to say, like, again, it goes with just even opening people's perspective, 
the stubbornness of people. You know, it, it's a lot to try to just talk to your people. All right. Um, Angela Davis, she says, I would argue that abolition is the radical alternative. The etymological meaning of radical is root. So abolition allows us to get to the root of the problem. That is why it is the radical alternative. Abolition enables us to escape being trapped by the same framework, the same footprint over and over. And it's just time for us to come out of this. It's the 400 years is up, yo. I'm sorry if I yell. I'm sorry for my headphone listeners and if he was listening to me at a low plane. But it's just time. It's time for us to take back control and leave the ignorant where they are. I'm sorry. If they ain't open to be taught, they ain't open to want to learn. What else can we do? Gonna keep pulling yourself down? And it could be family, it could be friends, it could be your friends that you've known for mad long, but if the help don't want the help, you can't keep trying to overextend yourself. That's just the hardest reality we have to face. But that's where step number 10 comes in. Build community. Without community, there is no liberation by Audre Lorde. To build culture, okay, is to build a team. Build a community. We're not always going to be in person together. It's not, it's just, it's inevitable. Unless we really do have the plot of land with the, you know what I mean? But even with that, we're not always going to be in person. But it doesn't mean we can't mobilize and organize successfully. It's tough because we were never taught this in the first place. But it's not impossible. I say this all the time. Where is your commitment? Simple. The concept of community building is really about who you trust, who you can feel emotionally, spiritually, and physically safe with, along with reciprocal accountability, reciprocal energy, holding each other accountable. The key factors of building and evolving, not revolutionary, not uh, same, but evolving community, making sure everyone feels seen and heard in your community. How do you do? How do you do that? How do you think you build a community? What does it look like to you? What is it, some images that you get in your head? Whether it be a blueprint, whether it be how the people are within your community. Your community starts with you. Again, everything starts internally with us. And that's gonna be the biggest lesson for many of us to learn as well. We need every principle or step, in other words, we've covered so far in order to build community. Okay, you start where you are. Strengthen the bonds as tight as you can and then add on as it makes sense to do so. So just like with starting a bracelet, I start where I start 
and whatever design comes to play once I'm done, that's just where it's led me. And those who need that will be the ones to more than likely purchase it or get the bracelet. But be willing to be vulnerable to change. That's the big thing too. People's vulnerability, but it's also goes back to having it be fear-based because of past experiences, past disappointments, past lack of, past a lot of things, you know? But again, are you gonna continue to allow yourself to be in this stuck place of disappointment, depression, harm, all of that? Or are you gonna allow yourself to be vulnerable to change and build a community? Because being willing to be vulnerable to change as community building is fluid and ever-changing. It's ever-changing. You're gonna have to adapt. You're gonna have to readjust. You're gonna have to accommodate. You're going to have to be cordial. You're going to have to, it's, it's going to be a lot, but that's why it's important to do the work now. Okay. How do you plan to communicate? Compare work and life schedules and see what makes sense. Come from a non-judgmental place. Offer fine details that help a community grow stronger through future plans, potential jobs or roles or home changes. We have to be willing to hear each other out. Like me, I don't like when toilet seats are left up. And I'm, I'm not talking about when men pee. I'm talking like literally, I need the toilet lid down. I need all of that. Uh, there's some other things I have, like just little OCD little pet peeves, but it's also for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I'm very proactive. So, like, keeping the toilet seat down, that, for me, especially, it keeps money in my pocket, keeps the flow of things. That And that's, uh, what is that? Feng shui? Is that the word? Feng shui? I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but no disrespect. But you have to be willing to be open to one another. It's important to have clearly defined rules and that everyone knows what's expected of them. So there's no confusion. There's no questions. There's no, oh, why the fuck are you doing that? And I'm over here doing this. Da-da. And then we ain't got time for that childish back and forth bullshit. Listen, if you ain't trying to do no work, then the community building is not for you, period. If you think the shit is going to be done and you get to sit back and chill, that's not how this is. All right. There's going to be tense conflict. It's going to be because somebody might want the role that you have and vice versa, but you just do better at it. And it's hard to accept that it's it's going to be a lot of ego sitting down. All right. But it's better to get it all out now. It's better to get the kinks out. It's better to get the arguments out than with a community of, say, like and now could be you and your boy that you've been with, been cool with for years. And he's been on his journey. You're on your journey. Y'all both have the assets, y'all have both have the education, y'all both have the ambition, and y'all both have the intention. Now y'all doing this, right? So now y'all brainstorming, y'all talking to each other, y'all, y'all work schedule works with one another, but your ideas clash here and there. All right. 
But again, it's important to work these out now with courageous conversations and talking it out with two people rather than it being now a community of about 50 people. And they're all resentful because no one has clearly defined roles. No one has clearly communicated what the expectations are. Community development must be led from within. Consent is a critical practice. All right. Consent is a critical, critical practice. A strong community has plans for relationships that occur within it. Like-minded people are likely to grow closer, manifesting in many ways, from besties to friends with benefits to poly long-term relationships. It, it can either make or break the community. But the questions that you need to start putting in place, will you have to place a hand hands-off rule Okay, with no in-house sexual relationships between members? If so, how will it be enforced? Or will there be a do-as-you-please, we're all grown mentality? How will consequences be dealt with? Will you have open meetings? Will you have closed meetings? Will you capsize your community as far as how many people can join? Your community should work for what you're building. As long as there's communication and comprehension, which are two different things, you know how to respond to conflict and reflect on progress. There's guaranteed community growth. Build your capacity to see your community beyond what it has traditionally been perceived as. Use your imagination. Think about what you want to see and achieve, not just what you've seen in the past. Don't compare it. Definitely don't compare it to the states. If you really are tired of the states and you're trying to work to get off the grid, there's no need to make it like anything else you knew. Leadership is important, okay? Building a community from scratch. Leadership is something to address by default from the very beginning. There might be change that comes that it might be a time to reevaluate, okay, what works and where your skill set is best used. And that's okay. Got to be open to that. Good community work doesn't care with, well, it doesn't come, I should say, with exhausted or a worn down tribe. All right. As the community grows, Expect your own thoughts toward the ideals of the community to change and be prepared for that. Don't be upset when you, an idea that you've been brainstorming on is no longer what you want to do. And you, don't get upset with yourself because that's how you're going to fuck yourself. Just go with the flow. All right. Just go with the flow. Try to stay educated. That's another thing. Try your best to stay educated on the issues that are important. As you know, there's always a lot going on that will affect us and staying on top of it will be a central theme in community building. It, it's essential because you gotta know what's going on in order to be helpful or preventive or protective, right? But again, it's still not going into that fear-based mindset. A good read study for this step is the National Museum of African American History and Culture, 
which has a series of lesson plans on Black community building that can be used in or out of a formal education setting. If you're already one who's building your team, great. That's great, okay? But a good resource workbook is by Mariam Kaba and Shara Hassan called Fumbling Towards Repair. It's a valuable resource that can provide best practices in addressing interpersonal harm and violence in communities. We can't underestimate the importance of elders in our community. Elders are our pillars, okay? And if we learn to fucking appreciate them, the better, all right? But yes, elders are our pillars. Let's practice being fully present with one another instead of, instead of dreading that we have to all come together for dinner or dreading that we all have to come together for a sound healing, dreading that we all got to come together for a prayer service. Presence is invaluable, okay? You being present during every moment in your life, you can, you can receive so much that spirit is trying to receive or send to you by just practicing being present, practicing your awareness. Let's practice being fully present with each other. Plain and simple, without community, we don't get free. And that's on God. If we don't learn how to work with one another, it's, it's going to be hard for us to build this community. And that's just real. It's going to be hard because we, we got to be willing to tolerate one another. Not even just tolerate, but love one another without there having to be a blood tie or a gang tie or anything like that, which is still a gang tie is still a blood tie because blood in, blood out. But no, man, do do better. All right. These four questions here. Do you belong to an established community of any sort? No, but I'm. Um, working on it number two do they have goals as a group even if this is uh, something that you just have been in, in your mind like community 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 and you got your gang your squad your day ones how are they really attributing to your life you know what i'm saying do you have an idea of what your ideal community looks like if so describe it and are you familiar with historical established communities and how they were able to maintain or not maintain? I mean, the most historical, the his, historical communities I have are my tribal. I'm Ramapo Lenape. We would do powwows all the time, which we're getting back to that point, but this is also how you know the slavery shit is still going on. Our records are still just messed up birth charts, all of that. So it's a lot of administrative things. It's a lot of picking up that we need to do. Um, but again, when we learn community, it'll be a lot easier. And that's just simple. Moving on to step number 11. I told y'all, I'm trying to shorten this one for y'all. I don't want to hold y'all for two hours. But step number 11, 
Value interpersonal relationships. We do this because the world we live in is a house on fire and the people we love are burning. And that's a quote by Sandra Kisneros. It's commonly taught that people are replaceable. We're disposable. And just once they get to a point, they're, un, they're unchangeable. They there is nothing that you can do to help them. But that is a problem. That is a problem. I am one even who is trying my best. Even just a few moments ago, I'm over here like, well, those people just don't get it. They don't get it. They'll move on. And I'm not saying that to just give up on them, but I'm saying that so I can lead as an example and continue to just move forward. Because the more I, I try to hold back for someone else, the the longer I pro pro protest against or procrastinate my growth, what I what my missions are, what my goals are. So, but that is that is a problem with just having that idea in our head that people are disposable and they're unable to transform and heal. Okay. This whole cancel cancel culture. I don't know. Some 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 of y'all on Twitter is canceling some stupid ass motherfuckers. Like I don't know what the fuck going on anymore. I just feel like it's another form of entertainment. But cancel culture it doesn't value interpersonal relationships. Okay, often used in scenarios where the person or product wasn't going to be essential to our day to day lives anyway. Interpersonal relationships are important because they are how we build over or build our communities and healthy connections to other beings help build strong societies. Okay, we recognize the inherent value of life and connections. We believe that everyone has the capacity to transform, heal and be accountable for harm caused. We are meeting our tribes, not our origin families, not our people we were raised by nine times out of 10. But as we've heard before, you can't choose your family. Okay, that's true. But we can create families by valuing interpersonal relationships. Don't base your relationships on labels. That's where we come up with expectations. All right. Don't be afraid to be honest about what your relationships look like. All right. Be transparent. Rip the fucking bandaid off. They don't need to be judged by anyone. And no one, no one needs to approve them except you and your surrounding people. Okay. That's it. How you show up for yourself is how you show up for your community and your work. So if you have given yourself the word on, okay, today, I'm going to rest today. And now you're doing this, this, that, and the third on behalf of someone else. Yourself over there looking at you like, motherfucker, you said I was going to rest today. Now you got me over here doing this, this, this. And I get it. You may feel like I'm a servant. I, I This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Not every time. This is where your discernment comes in and you need to learn the difference of overextending yourself and, and, and being a servant and fulfilling your purpose. It's stop. 
Stop. Okay. Stop. That's all I gotta say. How you show up for yourself is how you show up for your community and your work. It's all interconnected, period. And interdependent. You can read anything by Octavia Butler, who is uh, an author, of course, but her approach to heartache, hope, emotional destiny, protest, fight, power, and practice is written from a place of devotion. This principle, this step right here is hard, which is why it's one of the last steps. To value interpersonal relationships it shouldn't seem that hard, but it really is. It's one thing keeping yourself together, but it's another thing to value your interpersonal relationships with multiple people and try to make people make sure that people see and feel that you care and that you have their best interests and the relationship as a whole in mind. You're thinking about them. You're, you're thinking about how it can be a conveyance to them, how it can reassure them, how it can give them sense of security along with you. Going to need, you're going to need to master courageous conversations. Definitely. You have to know your people. You have to know your tribe. And this can start with personality assessments. This also can be a game night. This could be, who do you really know? You know what I mean? And go through some personality questions. Go through some, as they said, personality assessments that will expose yourself, but also expose others. You know what I'm saying? You must be willing to give of yourself. You can't expect your interpersonal relationships to be valued if you don't do what you can to be open and honest about your own needs. Okay? We're not taught. We are not taught this. We are not guided to have this type of mentality. But we're not taught to go straight into a relationship with everything on the table. First impression, bro. People have these first impression ideas in their fucking head so bad. That it's like, well, I don't want them to know I'm crazy. Why? Why? So a year from now, after they've fallen in love with you, you can now show that you're fucking cuckoo kachoo? Bitch, no. Show me that now. We might be two peas in a motherfucking pod. And it really might advance our relationship even more. But then now, when you're suddenly coming out, for me, I'm a person who always thinks for the principle. So who the fuck did I fall in love with? Like... <laughs> I don't know, man. Just be yourself right then and there. Put everything out on the table, all right? Instead, again, we're told to make a good impression. We're told, you know, don't don't expose yourself all like that, girl. Why? It's eventually going to come out anyway. So why be fake for your, for your own... Like, what? Because a, a good impression... Yo, get that on my face. Now my impression of you is that you don't even know yourself and you're over there being fake. Fuck out of here. Okay, there's no room for not understanding one another when so much of what we do can be overwhelming and stressful. So just rip the band-aid off. 
I'm not saying that you got to be all out there on the table saying, oh, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't had like 30, I don't got, know it. Mm-mm. let me just back up. I'm not saying that you have to go out there and tell everybody your business, who you have dates with. But all I'm saying is if you feel that the energy is clicking, yeah, I'm giving the side eye to the camera at this point for my listeners. When you know that energy is clicking, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. All right, because I, I, I just everything, everything like they said is already overwhelming and stressful. Stop! Don't make this worse, because you don't know what's going on in my head. Okay, especially if I just told you I'm open and I have like a mind. Where I do feel like I'm capable of killing somebody if they push me to that point. You might be that motherfucker that pushes me to that point. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. But this principle, this principle of valuing interpersonal relationships is only effective. Okay. It's only going to make a difference depending on how we make the previous principles work. All right. And If y'all don't remember the previous principles, I mean, I can remind y'all real quick, you know, and just reading that list once again. But let me find it. Hold on. All right. So you got courageous conversations. Number one. Number two, respond versus react. Number three, nothing is fixed. Number four, say yes to imagination. Number five, forgive actively, not passively. Number six, allow yourself to feel. Number seven, commit to not harming or abusing others. Number eight, Practice accountability. Number nine, embrace non-reformist reform. Number 10, build community. Number 11, value interpersonal relationships. And number 12, which is what we're about to get into, fight the U.S. rather than make it stronger. And with that being said, let's continue to stir up this pot of stew we gotta keep stirring the pot we gotta keep it warm all right community building and interpersonal relationships relate okay again you have to keep them moving just like with our bodies when you start to sit down all the time to become a couch potato now all of a sudden you want to go outside and play a game of kickball it's not gonna work for you babe sorry you got to keep yourself moving. You got to keep an eye on them. All right. Self-confidence and self-reassurance or self-assurance are key to developing interpersonal relationships. You have a responsibility to show up for your people, your tribe. You got a responsibility to show up for yourself the very best that you can. This alone will keep you whole. And trust me, trust me. You'll need that. 
You definitely gonna need that, okay? Two guiding questions for this one. What is your most treasured interpersonal relationship? Describe it. Why is it your favorite? Why does it work? One of my most treasured is the relationship or interpersonal relationship with my brother, my oldest brother, Javon. We have our moments where we bump heads. We have our moments where we can sit and have a conversation and read each other's energy very well. We learn from each other. We hold each other accountable. Um, all while just being siblings, but also knowing that we have two different missions here on this earth, but we come together for a reason. So it, it's a lot. Um, have you ever had to let go of a valued interpersonal relationship? How did you know when you couldn't value it in the same anymore? Mm. Yes, I did. I had to I had to let go of, of several valued interpersonal relationships. Um, but I truly believe that if it's meant to come back into course of us being friends and being in this journey on this continue on this journey together we'll cross paths again and that's just what's gonna happen um my time is coming up on the listening thing so bear with me one moment I'm just gonna have to reset this to my listeners sorry for the pause but it's not even gonna pause for you guys for real for real it's just gonna continue on so i'm saying all this for no reason but for my instagram viewers i just gotta pause the anchor real quick bear with me like i said with that being said we're going to move on to step number 12 which is fight the u.s state rather than make it stronger war talk you feel me our strategy should not only should be not only to confront the empire but to lay sage to it and this is S-I-E-G-E, not the S-A-G-E. To deprive it of oxygen. To shame it. To mock it. With our art. Our music. Our literature. Our stubbornness. Our joy. Our brilliance. Our sheer relentlessness. And our ability to tell our own stories. Stories that are different from the ones we're being brainwashed to believe the ones we're being the corporate revolution will collapse if we refuse to buy what they are selling their ideas their version of history their wars their weapons their notion of inevit inevit oh my gosh inevitability remember this we are many and they are few they made us, they need us more than we need them. Another world is not only pass, possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. And that's by Arundhati Roy with War Talk. And I have to say, I agree with what he's saying. Sure, like that. There's actually a movement that's going to be going on in August of this year 
that I hope many of us can jump on. I know that we jump on Black Friday so quick. We out there in the stores. We out there camping and doing all that. But let's all join together and not go to any corporate stores, any white-owned businesses, any corporations. We're going to go to our small mom-and-pop shops if we do need to go somewhere. We're gonna we're gonna go to our local farmers markets. We're gonna we're going to establish the detachment from corporation. All right. The U.S. has been a violent country. It's been violent. It wasn't because of us. It wasn't because of what's going on in the hoods. We just allowed it to be worse, to be honest. So that's on us. But. The U.S. has been a violent country with a brutal past and present. It's no secret that the U.S. has wreaked havoc on its own people, as well as communities and people across the world. Shit, I just saw a clip from an earlier movie. I'm, I am talking backwards. I just saw a clip earlier from a movie. The guy, it made me think of my grandfather because my grandfather served in Germany. Um, this is the crazy part. So the guy, he was black. This was when segregation was still going on. And, you know, you, you weren't really allowed to be around the blacks but, and blacks had to leave out the back and all this shit. It's Mississippi based. This is why I'm also getting this vendetta with Mississippi and why there's not much being done down there. And they really are just trying to keep this coming back. But it's a time of evolution, y'all. Not revolution. Evolution, not revolution. Um... But anyways, the clip, I, I don't know the name of the movie. I don't know what where it came from. Like I said, a lot of things are just spiritually led to me, and I don't know what, what it is. But ironically, it, it applies to what was just said. So he served in the Army. He just got back home. Him and his uh, other boy, they both lived there. Now this boy is white. The boy, he's not racist. He fucks with the dude and all of that. Like, they take rides together, all that. And the army just kind of bought them closer together. They don't like that in his town. So the black boy, it was eventually found out that the black boy actually got someone pregnant in Germany. She was a white woman. And he was being punished by the KKK. And his boy was dragged into the room because his father was a leader in the KKK. And I keep saying boy, but it's a man. It's a man. Two men at that. They served in the army. Um, I don't know what war. Again, I don't even know what movie this was, but it was just all realistic and it was definitely an exposure for the shit that our veterans, our black veterans had to experience when they were the ones being sent frontline half of the time. But anyways, they are now forcing this guy, his friend, to choose. Now, mind you, they beat up this boy and everything. They beat both of them up. Their own father was allowing them to almost kill his own son, just based off of his personal beliefs that Black people are just the disgrace of the earth. They, they're just nothing. But that's what they want to convince themselves. They don't want us to have our powers. <laughs> they don't want us to know. They don't want us to know just how powerful we are and how we can just shut shit down with a fucking snap of our fingers. Like for real, for real. Once we tap into that, bro, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. This is why I can tell y'all do the work. Please do the work. It's gonna be so worth it. Um, but anyways, 
they made this man choose. You're either going to kill him or we're going to cut his eyes out or we're going to cut his tongue out. You choose. And the guy, he knew they were really going to kill him. So he, he made a choice. He said tongue. And they cut this man's tongue out. And then still severely beat him the fuck up. And then left him hanging for his family to find him. If that don't trigger nobody, I don't know what can. But the dude beat up his own kid, bro. And just put him back in the bed where he almost died. He almost died in his sleep from internal bleeding. But it's like, that's how much blood we have on our hands. All right? It, it's not It's not just slavery. It's not just slavery. But as I spoke on a little, very little before, but there's also indigenous genocide. This land was unrecognizable before the colonization, colonization took over. But with everything that has happened, you can't even recognize anything for what it is. The many wars of the, that the U.S., the United States initiated, it, it, half of the time it wasn't even nobody trying to beef with us. We initiated the shit domestically and abroad. The inherent role that it plays in profit over people. They don't give a fuck about us. Michael Jackson said it best. I don't know what say is, man. They don't really care about us. All I really say is that they don't really care about us. And they really don't, yo. I don't know how many times this has to be said to us to to make us get it in our heads that, like, they care more about making a profit, which is what's being exposed now with this whole digital currency thing, with everything being low-key trying to be manipulated it, it's like pay attention pay attention pay attention pay attention don't go in your head to say well it don't apply to me if you are one that's working and you are out here doing what you need to do whether it's you having an llc doing reiki healing whatever it is even though you're doing that don't don't be naive okay Priorities are not in alignment with human dignity and creativity, which is what keeps being said. In order for us to have a source of income, we can't just, there's not even supposed to be the need of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're supposed to live off the fruit of the land. We're supposed to be helping each other, helping thy, thy neighbor, doing what we need to do. Now, you're scared to even knock on your neighbor's door. You're scared that they're they going to just bust your head off through the window because they think that you're a fucking robber. Like, it's just to that point, man. Like, no one's free. That's why I say it's no longer a race thing. It's way beyond that. The current systems in place in the U.S. are to maintain the country's dominance through violence and profit. To get free, in order for us to for real, for real, loose the chains that we have on us, we must create new avenues to undermine the current United States and the ability of its harmful, broken systems to further oppress, suppress, and attack communities who are poor. The richer get rich and the poor get poor. Our art explains us, okay? If you know truly who we are, and what we've been able to do, it's nothing short of astonishing. It's nothing that you could take away from us. Music is absolutely the way we push back against racism, 
capitalism, and patriarchy. Like I said, art explains us. Music of the enslaved shows us that those in the middle passage were not stripped of all their traditions. For years, we've created our own instruments from drums and banjos to flutes and string instruments. Our development of music, how we delivered our vocals was completely inventive. We created our own unique sound from call and response, which will get passed down all the way through hip hop to melisma and vibrato. Our runs, our patterns, our tones, it's all ours. We've lent it out for sure, but the richness of our art, including music, is how we hold on to our culture and we use it in our work as abolitionists. Our, our music is what holds us up. And it builds us up and has for centuries. We also understand that our music particularly in the 18th century, was more than a well, more often a well than a celebration. So like the soul song, Wait in the water, wait in the water, children, wait in the water. Like that song right there, Even me singing that made me a little emotional because I'm thinking like now I'm hearing it from just that present place and mm. it's like our people endured so much. And like This is what I'm saying. It's beyond. It's beyond just being humans and all of this. We are beings. There is light and darkness on this world. You must know who you are. Know your origin. All right. Know your origin. Um, I apologize, y'all. Damn. That really hit me. That's how I know I tapped into my ancestors, because that, that just did something to me. And um, that's just something we know. We listen to it. Absorb we understand and we honor it. That's why I low-key, I, I try to not make jokes about that anymore and, 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 and make fun of it or mock it. I'm just going 
right along with the white patriarchy, mocking our own people. No. We go toward the people in power, knowing fully who we are and where we come from. And our literature, we have held so deeply to our stories. We have passed down our words as poems, novels, songs, some published and some cut close. Our words, spoken and unspoken, have always been such a rich part of the fabric of our lives. From Phyllis Wheatley in the 1700s, whose true story and true gifts we may never know, to the young people creating 30-second messages of hope and liberation for each other on social media. We fight because we often are being pulled apart. Our first line of defense is how we communicate. We can fight against white supremacy. We already do it without even realizing it every day. Our art keeps this heart beating while we move. Our families are also how we fight back and preserve our own stories and legacies. The concept of the nuclear family and the concept of marriage were originally tools to promote capitalism, which is why the enslaved people in this country were not allowed to marry. The reasoning was that we did not need to advance in society, so there was no need to make our unions legally binding. We're not going to own land or create generational wealth. So we created our own traditions and it didn't stop us from creating families then and now. How we create family should work for us, not for the government's constructs of what a family should look like. Read The Purpose of Power, How We Come Together When We Fall Apart by Alicia Garza. This book literally is just like this one here. It's a handbook. It gives us instructions on how to be a part of the movement that is taking on the U.S. state. Alicia breaks down what is necessary for organizers and activists to come together under a government that constant, consistently, I should say, undermines and abuses marginalized communities. Alicia helps us think about the campaigns that will weaken white supremacy and strengthen the fight for social justice. Are you ready to fight? Because I'm ready to fight. It's important to push back against the state and just be mindful of our approach. Things from a state and government point of view. When I'm encouraging or speaking on these things and I'm talking about these courageous conversations and imagining and leaning into feelings, yes, yes, I, I know these steps can be worked on alone. 
or at least in small groups. But this part, this right here is not easy. This is where building community and valuing interpersonal relationships begin to take shape and have meaning, okay? This is where you identify where you are and what you want to work toward. You begin with simply where you are. If you can't hit the streets or join an organization, amplify those who can. I know you got people like Boogie Rose. Like, I'm on my ass for that, but I've been meaning to reach out to her because she's out in Philly doing the fucking work. She, she's in the streets every day, okay? Right now, there are millions of protesters in India taking to the streets. It's not being reported in American media. No one has ever heard about this. Find out the details and become educated and amplify those voices. Right now in France, the authorities are resisting citizens filming arrests of any kind. These voices need to be amplified. Don't feel like you're doing enough if you're not linked arm in arm in the front line. Don't feel like that. There is a time and a place for that level of engagement. And you'll know if and when it's right for you. There's another step you can take. If you don't see a movement or organization that's doing something important to you, create it. Start it up. It starts with you. For real. That's just what it is. Let's keep it real. We know what we need to do to not make the United States stronger in terms of its racial policies and capitalist patriarchy. But we also get manny and petties. We know our schools are not what we need them to be. But some of us are not in a place to homeschool. And... We can't afford private schools, so we know our kids still have to get educated, so we let them go to public schools. We know the medical system has harmed us continuously for centuries and continues to do so. But we also have to go get the occasional filling and take our kids to the pediatrician. We live here. We have to exist in this space. And we still have to find ways, large and small, to survive and yet push to thrive. Ida Bell Wells was born into slavery in 1862 in Holly Springs, Mississippi, to parents James Wells, a carpenter's apprentice, and Elizabeth Warrington, a well-known cook in their town. When the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, Ida's parents became prominent advocates of education for the newly emancipated Black people during the Reconstruction era. Ida grew up in a home that pushed education as a tool of liberation. But tragedy stoked in 1878 when both her parents and a sibling died of yellow fever. Ida took on the responsibility of caring for her six remaining siblings and began her career, as it was for many educated women during that time. 
as a school teacher. She also had a passion for journal journalism and wrote articles for the local newspaper that were often centered around segregation and inequality. She moved to Memphis, Tennessee a few years later and was outraged by what she experienced to the Memphis in the Memphis education system. She wrote caustic articles about the Memphis Board of Education, critiquing the conditions of the black schools of the city. Not surprisingly, Ida's teaching contract was not renewed, of course, but her career as a journalist took off as she was hired on to write for various newspapers. The focus of her writing was on the injustices she was experiencing. Exposure. Ida's life in Memphis was flourishing. And by 1889, she was ed editor and co-owner with J.L. Fleming of the Free Speech and Headlight, a Black-owned newspaper. She was not only a prolific journalist, but also a well-known actress in her town, grabbing the attention of a dizzying number of suitors who wanted to marry her. In her true feminist fashion, she was unwilling to marry just anyone. And at the age of 24, 24 yes, I'm emphasizing on that because these people, now, TikTok is like the main goal for a lot of people. But at the age of 24, she wrote, I will not begin at this late day by doing what my soul abhors sugaring men, weak, deceitful creatures, with flattery to retain them as escorts or to gratify a revenge. Mm. She found the ideals of equality and mutual respect in Fernandan Barnett, a lawyer, journalist, and civil rights activist, a trailblazer. Ida did not simply take his last name when they married. Rather, she hyphenated her name probably one of the first black women to do so in that era. Ida became a force to be reckoned with. In 1892, when her good friend Thomas Moss was lynched, it ignited her lifelong work as an anti-lynching activist. Up until then, the official reports of the lynchings of black men, much like the murders of black people by police today, were largely accepted. The stories propagated the ideas that black men were rapists, threatening the safety and virginity of white women, and that white vigilantes were just metting out justice to these black criminals. Shit, we still hear that fucking now, bro. Come on. The young boy that just shorty stabbed up her boyfriend and shit, and now she's screaming, self-defense. Shut the fuck up. When Moss, a black grocery store owner, was lynched by a mob of white men, after a confrontation at his store, Ida wrote a column in the newspaper about how the town of Memphis had failed to protect the lives and property of black folks. Moss was a co-owner of the People's Grocery, which, is out, which was outperforming the white grocery store across the street. Ah, boo-hoo. Mm. The white grocery owner went to the city council to complain about this, how this business was a nuisance to the town, and essentially, the city council deputized men to get go get guns to go and correct these business owners. When the white mob arrived, they were met by black men who had rifles and were ready to defend themselves. There was a shootout in which some of the white men, who happened to be deputies, were injured. 
and the black store owners were arrested and jailed. A few days later, the black store owners were taken out of the courthouse and lynched by a white mob. Ida wrote that the black people in Memphis should all leave and head west because there was no justice for them in the city and that lynching was just a form of economic violence and terrorism. Ida became a target of white mob violence and was run out of Memphis. She relocated to Chicago, fleeing the terrors of Jim Crow South, but not without bringing her supporters with her. Thousands of people left Memphis, about 5% of the population, and it crumbled the city's economy. August, guys, don't forget about August. Ida was not deterred and became a journalist in exile as she traveled the South for two months, gathering information on other lynching incidents and writing about them in newspapers in graphic detail. She single-handedly created the field of investigative journalism as she courageously visited the places where people have been tortured, shot, hanged, and mutilated. She examined photos of victims, took sworn statements from eyewitnesses, and studied local newspaper accounts. In 1895, she published a pamphlet, The Red Record, the first statistical record of the history of American lynchings. Backed by data, Ida exposed the reality behind lynchings that they were largely used as economic retaliation. Her work grabbed international attention as she toured Europe and gave hundreds of lectures about the plight of, plight of Black people in America. Ida openly confronted white women in the suffrage movement who, do not, who did not take an intersectional stance. Suffragettes who refused to talk about race and the rights of Black women, in particular, to vote. Because of her stance, Ida, what Ida was often ridiculed and ostracized by white women's suffrage organizations in the United States. So she founded the National Association of Colored Women's Club to address issues dealing with civil rights and women's suffrage. She was adamant that race, gender, and liberation were not mutually exclusive issues. This woman did not compromise on her ideals. At the age of 68, she ran for a seat in the Illinois State Senate as an independent just a decade after women won the right to vote in the United States. Ida lived a self-actualized life, a world-renowned abolitionist, feminist, educator, and the mother of investigative journalism. She courageously challenged unjust systems during the Jim Crow era, when Black women did not have the vote or protection from the law. Her radical anti-lynching reporting changed the narrative of the mainstream media and exposed the corruption of the justice system. She was a strong proponent of self-ownership. She owned her mediums of communication, which were various newspapers. She built institutions where people could educate themselves, the Black settlement houses for men and women, and created spaces where Black people could network, 
like the National Association of Color Women's Club. Okay. Ownership. I'm sorry, I'm going back to my notes and I'm losing myself. We can push ourselves to be uncomfortable in the name of not supporting white supremacy and a genocidal government. Ownership gives you freedom to be your true, authentic self. Live your life, creating spaces where others can cultivate their own liberation. We must fight this country's oppression and be fierce, fierce forces of change and bring to pass the vision of call to action for us all to work to be free. We grow every day, every day. Don't forget to look internally. It's within you. This is it. This is now your space. This is your real world. So congratulations. The work has just begun. Oh, you thought because you went to school and you did all of that and you got your degree and all of that. You knew everything. No, I don't know. You thought that was hard work? <laughs> this work has just begun. <laughs> three guiding questions. Number one, map out three things you will do to ensure you fight for a country that truly supports its people. Are you going to flee or fight? What is one way you can fight the U.S. state? And simply, how are you going to get free? What you going to do about it? What you going to do about it? All right. Shit, like these are all questions you need to ask yourself. This is when you don't just live to exist, but you live to make your difference. And you start to analyze things in a different light. You start to look at things for what they really are instead of trying to sugarcoat it. Like, oh, it ain't, it ain't that. It ain't. It can't be. No, it is. It is. And it's time for you to face that reality, love. It's time for you to face that reality. Um, with that being said, what you going to do to face that reality? Hmm? What you gonna do to face that reality? I had sent myself some posts that I've seen online. So real quick, the first one is, uh, there's a new label, because as we know, Bill Gates owns like 72% of our farmland now. Bill Gates, come on y'all. That is all the way, that is all the way for his control. Okay, but anyways, do not eat anything with the label that says appeal, and that's A-P-E-E-L, green. This is a Bill Gates-founded company using toxic mono and 
diglycerides, diglycerides to make you sick. All right. So, I mean, that's why I'm saying, please start to sway away from it. If you haven't been doing the work to sway away from eating outside foods and doing all of that, the meat, all like, please start because once it really does just cold turkey stop on you, you're going to be like, what the fuck? And you're going to be one of these parasitic ass people out here bugging out. And that's that whole zombie thing. The zombie isn't someone like walking dead or whatever. It, you don't got to be dead to be ran by a, a parasite. You know what I'm saying? Like if you find yourself getting angry or hangry, like I ain't gonna hold you. Sometimes I still get hungry, but it's not where I get irritable or start fucking just snapping on everybody and their moms. The only time I do that is like, again, I'm overstimulated. There's a lot going on around me. And that's what's happening right now. Like it, I'm overstimulated. It's a lot going on around me and I'm trying my best to just keep myself grounded and, and take it one step at a time. But when you got other people's influence going on you and you, you just, fucking, again, you're trying your motherfucking best. It gets hard, goddamn. It gets hard. But never impossible to do, all right? It's never impossible to do. Um, Inauthenticity feels uncomfortable. Because when someone holds back a part of themselves, they're literally tightening up and creating tension. That's why being open, at ease, and fully yourself is a vibe. One that helps others feel safe to do the same. So spread the light, show yourself the love, and and put the work in now. There's no point of taking away from yourself, you know, in any way. And taking away from yourself is not being your authentic self, period. Period. All right. We already did the rising messages. I'm proud of myself for that. Now, what time is it? affirmation time so by now you should know right hand first ladies my little princesses left hand first my kings and my princes young men all right take your breaths Repeat after me. I am a wonder. I am my ancestors' wildest most courageous visionary dream come to life. All this resilience in my DNA counts as a victory. Ashe. I'll have that in the description for you. 
Uh, real quick, shout out, shout out to Rios and that's Rai Rai at Deeply Underscore Unlock, where you maintain your visual. She's actually upstairs studying this time. Uh, James, my baby, I just want you to know that I see you, and I see how you've been consistent in your growth. I see how you've been consistent in your practices. I see how you've been consistent in your content. Um, and I just want to know that you are heard and you are seen. Okay, so that is at I am James. I am dot James Lamar. Um, I know I still haven't gotten to Philly to, you know, I got to get to Philly for a lot of people, you know. Another one real quick is Boogie Rose. I got to get up there. I got to, we got to link, sis. We got to, we got to link up something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm saying, I'm saying, join a movement. I don't know. Uh, but also shout out to Expressive Illustrations as well, based in Philly. Uh, they actually have a Cope and Craft that's coming up May 21st. It's a Sunday. And the last I seen, it was seven tickets left. So make sure you're following and, and, and try to tap in for that. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, so I do apologize if I forget anybody. Um, shout out to my boy Ziggy. Shout out, I mean, well, Zay, but Ziggy, nonstop fitness if you still need a fitness coach. Shout out to Quentin at uh, Shape Up Coach. He's on his vegan shit. I ain't gonna hold you. Your, your, your shit's been looking nice. I'm gonna need me a little bowl of ramen or some super fighting. I don't know. But it's looking good. I see that I continue to see your journey and, and keep it up. Keep up the consistency. Keep up the commitment. Okay. That is one of the 12 ways to change yourself, to change the world. So keep on going, guys. We are doing the damn thing. And it's not going to be everybody. Unfortunately, that's what we want, but it's not going to be everybody. It, it, it's, it's just not, it's not going to happen like that. So it's okay, though. We learn to be happy and we learn to just keep on moving every day all right um i hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week i hope that you know you don't allow anything to influence you and distract you from things that you have set for your goal this week um the full moon just passed so hopefully you did your releasing and you did what you needed to do for that mother's day is coming up on sunday so even with that, y'all, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to do it. We're going to talk about Mother's Day. Um, let me see what else, what else, what else, what else, what else. Um, I don't know if there's anything else, y'all. But your journey begins now. It's time to put the work in. We finished the studies from the book. You're lucky I ain't read the book to you. Tomorrow, though, I will be reading my uh, Legendborn. It's all the way over there. I will be reading my Legendborn by Tracy Dion. I believe that we are on... What chapter are we on, y'all? Hold on. I can actually check real quick. Can I check real quick? Hold on. I think we are... Dang it, y'all, I forgot, uh, I the damn chapter here. Either way, it don't matter. 
come join uh, the reading tomorrow. I think we read in chapters 29 and 30. I think that's what it is. I am reading two chapters tomorrow. So there's that. Something to be excited for. Um, also, to the ones who were expecting to show up, I, one, I thank you in advance. But the pop-up for the 27th had to be unfortunately rescheduled for some time in July. So I'll keep you guys posted with that. Hopefully, um, fingers crossed, it's still happening. Um, I'm staying hopeful. It's just a lot that goes along with it, which we understand. It's coding and all of that. So anything to make it more difficult for us to strive and do what we need to do. But we ain't going to let this stop us. And yeah. So the May 27th has been rescheduled. Um, and that's okay. I actually wanted to talk to you guys as well real quick, just about my week. Uh, I, I know y'all care, but <laughs> I decided to choose against my comfort zone. And I went to a hotel by myself for the weekend. I'll be honest, it was kind of awkward because I'm like, my girl's at home. I'm at a hotel. Like, this is kind of weird. But it was needed. I can have, I, I can actually be transparent enough to admit that. I did need it more than what I, what I tried to convince myself of. Um, and I'm happy I went. I was able to meditate. I was able to do some fit working out I was able to swim in the pool for a little bit which that literally was for a little bit um do my studies over the weekend like this wasn't done all in one sitting I was able to pan it out and still make it it was still lengthy so I'm sorry about that um but regulate my thoughts release some things get some things that no longer serve me detach from me um, and again, it, a lot has to do with my environment, the influence. But if you allow yourself to accept and know that this isn't permanent and there's going to be light, then just keep your eyes focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. Don't allow the tunnel to close in on you like this. Cause that's what I started to see my tunnel as. Like, goddamn, I'm just fucking stuck. But I had to open it up a little bit, open up my ability to be vulnerable to start to let the let that light peek through. See that light? Yeah, I had to let that light peek through. So that's what we have to do sometimes with ourselves is fighting against the resistance and knowing that we are destined for greatness. Fuck that. And yeah, we can't let our past determine our future. And that is the realest quote now that I fully understand it. We cannot allow our past to dictate our future and of course we know it's going to be the best time of our lives when we learn to just <laughs> strive towards the freedom and with that being said Bunga K feels like is the song of the week again so I'm just gonna start it from the middle Yeah. I know it's gonna be the best time of my life. Uh, uh. It's gonna be the best time of my life. We don't know it's gonna be the best time of my life. I 
Y'all have a great week. Namaste. I value you.